Some of the topics in this episode can be triggering to listeners due to content about violence and injustice. Additionally, this podcast contains profane and explicit language. Please take care of yourselves and if needed, reach out to a trusted adult, friend, or family member. The young people in these episodes have a long-standing working relationship with Start Strong and have experience discussing these sensitive topics with trained staff. If you are concerned about your relationship or have concerns about a friend or a family member, please refer to a local agency or visit thehallsboston.com for more information. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Love, Real Talk podcast. My name is Kamari, and for today, our, our final episode, my co-host Janae and I are joined by both Start Strong staff and peers. Yes, and I hope everyone is doing well and ready to get into the content of our final episode. We are joined today by Start Strong peers Alyssa, Mialani, and Emanuela, Program Director Jess Alder, and Program Manager Takia Brown. How are y'all doing today? We're doing good. Doing all right. Great. <laughs> Before we get too far into the episode, we are we are ready to end this season off strong, and we're already thinking about what we can bring to you next season on the Real Love Real Talk podcast. Absolutely. And for all of our content and updates on what Start Strong is doing next, please visit us at thehallsboston.com for more information. Thank you for all those golden nuggets, guys. I would like to give a shout out to our peers, especially those who are here today, Yolani, Alyssa, and Emanuela. It is good to have you all here with us and close out our first season of our podcast. Thank you for having us, and we're really excited to be here as well. So where I would like to start off is kind of picking our brains about how race and, and media come in to play with one another and, our, and can be in relationship with one another. So how do you all see race being portrayed in the media thinking media about like when thinking about media consider music videos tv shows movies um social media things like that how do you all see race being portrayed personally i definitely see it as people of color are very much like um depicted as criminals or kind of like the bad seeds Mm -hmm. um or they're like I don't know. I feel like people don't acknowledge that, although like in movies, you might want to talk about our personal experiences and maybe that's not always bright, but that doesn't always mean that like we're the bad people in the world. I don't know. I kind of get that that idea pushed forward to me through movies and music or like people who like talk about rap specifically, Mm -hmm. I feel like make it seem like it's such a bad genre to listen to and it causes all these problems when it's just like, I definitely feel like um, that genre gets a lot of like hate towards it just because it's like of what people are talking about. Mm-hmm. But those are people's realities. Those are the things people are going through. And I feel like people want to talk like badly about it. But then the same people who want to be like, oh, well, rap is causing this, this amount of problems. Their sons and daughters are listening to it in their bedroom and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like really crazy. So like that's like kind of like my two cents. Um, Mio and Emanuela, do you all have any thoughts about the relationship between, um, about how race is played, is portrayed in the media? To be honest, in my opinion, when I think of media, I think of like TV shows. And whenever I see like a TV show that involves black people and they're not like the antagonist, it's like they have like, how do I explain it? They have like a Pacific of 
what they want. Like almost every single TV show I see, the couple is always like a dark skinned man and a light skinned woman. Mm-hmm. Or like in them Disney shows, when it comes to black families, it's always a dark skinned son and a light skinned daughter. Like for example, Casey Undercover. I've been seeing that mm-hmm. all the time, and you know, I just want to see like other races of um black women or black men be like appreciated in those shows. Mm. So we're getting. A- Milani already spoke, um, but Alyssa and Emanuela, do you all have anything to add about um, why you think race should be acknowledged when discussing music and its impact or media and its impact? Um, I feel like if we don't acknowledge race, race that that's just pure ignorance mm-hmm. because black people contributed to a lot of like music the trends in general on social media. We've brought a lot to movies, TV shows and stuff. So I feel like to not talk about race would be such like, it's mm-hmm. so disrespectful because we brought so much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times like race is a part of who, is a part of your identity. If, if that's, if you want to be like, I'm a black woman, like that's who you are. You should show, you should show that you should own it period like I don't think that taking race away is gonna really do anything that's helpful to the conversation I feel like if anything it puts us back and it like kind of stifles what we can talk about Mm -hmm. well I'm thinking basically of why race needs to be acknowledged it's just like something that's always been bothering me is like when I seen like non-people of color have stuff on that's from people of color it's like if I see like mm, that's a good one. Like if I see like uh, a white girl <laughs> with like big lips and box braids, like all like the boys are like praising them over it. But then when I see like a regular black girl have them on, they call us ghetto, like saying like it's ugly, like show your natural state. Like that does like that makes zero sense. Mm. Like we have this stuff mm. first. But then we're being degraded for it. But then if a white girl has it on, they're being praised. Like, that just gets me so upset. Like, y'all sound stupid. <laughs> and we see that a lot, though, like, with, like, box braids and, and a lot of, like, other things and customs and um, things that, you know, we identify as being, like, a part of Black culture, a part of, like, different cultures of color. Um, and then the phenomenon of cultural appropriation not phenomenon I don't even call it that call it that then we deal with like cultural appropriation and I feel like that's kind of what you're touching on Emanuela but the funny Um, but the funny thing and I don't know why but I kind of like watching videos of white girls take off like their box sprays and their hair falls out and I always end up laughing like it's funny like we told you not to put it on but you didn't listen now look what happened yeah yeah <laughs> I can agree on that um, and thinking about some of the other concepts that came up during recording um, age was also something else that was often kind of discussed and I believe who you had some questions queued up that you wanted to ask the young yes, people about thank that. you Takia for that um that lane shift uh now we're going to switch our shifts over um from race to age and throughout our discussion about these types of relationships there seems to be a theme of young people not being able to be in a committed relationship because they are too young what are you guys' thoughts like for me <laughs> my mom always told me that I couldn't have a boyfriend until I was, like, in college. 
First off, upset with her about like I was like upset with her about him. Like, oh, to college that's like way too soon. But then living like life throughout like seventeen years, I'm like uh, I understand. Cause boys are crazy. <laughs> Shout out to moms. They always write. Mm-hmm. I've had the same conversation with my mom. Uh, she tells me that I can't have a boyfriend. First, it was until I'm 18. But then I turned 18. And then she was like, well, um, I don't think <laughs> And, like, I've been very adamant about, like, making sure that I have really good communication with my mom. So, like, we're both on the same page. And so, like, I don't feel like she's invading my privacy. But she also has her respect as a mother to know what's going on in my life. And a lot of the, like, what we talk about is if I understand my own feelings enough, to be able to be in a relationship and articulate my feelings to someone else, but also to hear their feelings and take that into consideration. And sometimes, like, when I like, think about that and, like, respect, rest, oh, I can't say that word right now. When I think about that, when I, like, hang out with my friends and stuff, I realize that I struggle with saying my emotions if it's not, like, a strong, aggressive emotion. So, like, if I'm angry, I'm like, you know what, I'm pissed off, leave me alone. But if I'm having, like, a good day, I don't mm-hmm. know how to tell people I'm having mm-hmm. a good day. Like, dang, it's so hard. <laughs> but also, like, when my friends are going through something that I can't relate to, sometimes I struggle being, like, there for them or, like, showing the right support. So, like, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a 50-50 thing. Like, some young people can, like, master the emotions so well and understand other people's emotions so well that they're ready for committed relationships. And for those people, God bless you can't be me right now and then there's like the other 50th person that's just like we're still struggling trying to understand what's going on follow-up question for that now um now let me ask you guys because you guys are more like you know into the loop on you know how relationships work do you guys believe that it has a lot to do with the newer generation and how they kind of like got brought up or do you feel like everybody's like their own person because one person can be mature and the next person can be like listen i'm out here following what such and such said if we vibing we vibing whatever whatever so do you just feel like it's more of a generational thing that you know relationships start to fade away i wouldn't say it's a generational thing in that kind of aspect i do think that depending on like the environment you grew up with so like if you grew up maybe with two two parents in the home who have a healthy relationship, you're like, okay, that's like what I want for myself. That's what I need. And maybe if you grew up in another situation, you see the ups and downs of that situation and you adapt those traits as well. Yeah. If that like does that make sense? So <laughs> you feel like it okay. comes from yeah, like where you grew up from so versus talking. somebody who comes from a two-family home, they might have a better outcome of a relationship versus somebody who has a one-family home where it might be brought up differently because they weren't, you know, they didn't have the right credentials in order to have that relationship. Is that what you're saying? Kind of. I feel like if you come from one family household, because I, I come oh, I'm from not one down family, one family household, household by my the mom. way, for anybody listening. Is I, she... listen, I, I support, but keep going. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, my mom raised me by herself, and I would like to say she did a good job, (laughs) but, you know, um, I just think that I see, like, a different kind of perspective on relationships than maybe someone who maybe grew up this week with a single single parent father, 
or two parents or whatever the case may be. So I don't think it's that like we like my generation has like lost the meaning of relationships. I just think that because all of us experience so many different things, um, not all of us um, might understand the oh, that's what this person went through, but that didn't have good consequences or like whatever aftermath. So let me try something else. I think sometimes we just take what we see and we just Mm. do it without really thinking about, hey, this didn't work out for that person. So we probably shouldn't try it, but we're going to do it anyways, because why not? So I kind of feel like that's kind of where my generation is. Like some of us and other, like the other half, I guess, is kind of like, Mm, relationships ew I have homework to worry about now for my next question do you guys think that a young person is incapable of understanding their own feelings how old is this young person I just need to know (laughs) let's say from the ages of 16 through like 17 if somebody else wants to throw in age numbers and that's perfectly fine as well just thinking about like teenagers period i don't know it depends because we're still developing throughout the years okay like there was no you're right because like there was time where i had feelings for someone but then it wasn't actually feelings like i was just mad confusing when i was young Mm -hmm. so yeah we're still developing so it depends on the person i think I, we can understand our own feelings for sure. I just think it's a matter of can we express them and do something about mm. them? Because mm. I know there was a lot of times, like, it's like not even just because I just turned 18, like in January, so like, I've been that long. <laughs> um, and like, this year for me has like been like for everyone has been so up and down and there was like just a point where i was just so angry but and i knew i was angry i knew what i was angry Mm -hmm. about but sister girl didn't know what to do with all that Mm -hmm. anger so it's like i understood what i was feeling it's just i didn't know where to put it except for just have it just sit on like on my Mm -hmm. shoulders so I think people like young people definitely can understand their emotions and their feelings it's just like you don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. I have a question. So I'm not referencing Start Strong in this because obviously like this is kind of what we do. But if, if it were a part of your high school curriculum to have an entire class dedicated to relationships, what would you want your teachers to address so that you would then leave the class at the end of the year feeling comfortable, confident about yourself, your emotions, and what you would want or need from a relationship? I don't know. I think I just want teachers to understand us teenagers more because they always make assumptions. Like, for example, if they always say, like, oh, you're just going through a phase. You'll be fine. Like, um, it's not a phase. It's actually really affecting me, but you just don't believe me. Like, mm. I would say... I would want to have a conversation about different types of relationships and kind of, I don't know if it's like, you know, like you have the situationships or you have like just the talking phase that some people confuse with dating and just having like, not like a, 
a like cement definition because it really is different for every person in those kind of situations. But definitely having like a, an outline because I get so confused where I'm just like, okay, so someone likes this person and this person likes them back, but they're not talking yet. They're not dating yet, but they're a mutual liking. What is that? <laughs> How do yeah. you go about that? So like those awkward like in between spaces from like being like friends or just acquaintances to relationship and from I guess a regular relationship to like a serious relationship like just that whole thing definitely would want like conversations about that because I'm I know I'm confused for sure and I would I would like to assume that other people are confused and I want to talk about consent more. I feel like we don't talk about it enough in school. Like, we talk about it a little bit. But I think, like, showing, like, a one- to two-minute video isn't enough. I feel like talking about consent for longer periods of time so people actually understand it is really helpful. And I would like to talk about how consent goes both ways. I feel like a lot of the time um, we focus on, like, in a binary situation, um, the females like consent and I feel like sometimes um we don't really talk about like the male's mm-hmm. point of view of consent how they mm-hmm. can say no to mm-hmm. um but yeah that's like what I was thinking that's actually a, a pretty natural segue to uh the last part of this conversation is around consent and communication and uh, I want to jump off of what Alyssa was saying and ask the larger group when you've had conversations around consent, what was a message that hit different than the other times that you had conversations around it? I think I would say that I can say no at different points at different mm-hmm. times, if that makes sense. Like, if I say yes, we can kiss, cool. But if you try to touch mm-hmm. me, I'm like, no. I don't give consent to that, but I can give consent to something else. And for the longest time, I was like, I don't get that. Like, I thought if I said yes, it meant yes to everything. <laughs> but it don't, because if I'm not cool and I'm not rocking with everything, you yes. may get your hands off, period. So I definitely think that was something that, like, shocked me, because I was really sitting there like, oh, LOL. <laughs> We got stages. I can say the no. Okay. <laughs> so I think that was like really cool to learn about and really like have it sink in because I was feeling myself. I was like, period. Like I, I'm in control. Mm-hmm. I'm in control. That's nice. Absolutely. What areas of consent do you or your peers still find to be a bit blurry? Like at my school, we were taught about like there was a whole unit about consent. Even though we were taught about it, like many, like many of my peers didn't want to like apply it. Like even if someone does not give you consent, they don't listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's all about consent. Like if you need something from me, I might say yes all the time, but there are times where I might say no, but then people don't want to take no for an answer. And that's the type of stuff that gets me a little annoyed. Like if I say no, I say no. What you getting so upset for? Like, I usually say yes all the time, but now I'm saying no. Like, 
If you don't back up on my face, be mindful throwing hands, mm-hmm. like for real. Like, like Fact. no is no, like leave me alone. Period. Bars right there. Um, uh, I think like one yeah. thing that I am kind of kind of confused about is like drinking and consent. Um my school was very adamant that if you've had one sip of any kind of alcoholic beverage, you are no longer allowed to give consent. And I'm like, okay, like if I had a sip, I'm still very much aware of what I'm doing. Does that still mean I can't give consent? Or is it like, if I had like a can of beer, or if I had some shots, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that's so blurry. But I also think that's just a gray area in the law that is kind of like, I don't know, very muddy waters. I'm not sure if I'm explaining that right. If I'm not, you can understand why I'm confused. I think I just want to kind of address um, Alyssa's confusion around the alcohol question because I don't want to leave that lingering. Um, so I think the point that you know, the administrators at your school is trying to get across is that if the person is intoxicated, then they cannot consent. So maybe one sip is not going to make someone like intoxicated. But if someone has been like heavily drinking or drinking a lot, they're outside of their mind where they're not making a decision that they would make of clear mind. Um, you know, then that is where we is what we're saying that like you know you cannot consent because you're not making the same decision that you would make in the sober state that you're making right now under the influence of an outside substance and so I think that's the point so maybe they might have forced it a little bit with you had a sip and so now you can't you as a but that's for the individual also who may be having a drink you know or drinking or whatever that they're doing mind you which should be of age but we know that some people do drink before the age of 21 also, a young person metabolizing alcohol and, and consumption, person who has never drank before and all of that, all of these things play a role in that. And so I can see the caution in being like, you're a young person, maybe you've never drunk before, drank before or you only drank a few times. And so the way that you're able to like, you know, process that alcohol and make decisions and have a clear mind to about something like, you know, what type of sexual acts you want to engage in, you're not able to make that decision under that influence. I think the only thing that I noticed that came up for me when I think about consent is how often conversations are couched in, you know, no means no and don't do the things. And yes, 100% for sure. And what I like to hear more of is the power of yes. And even if somebody isn't saying no, you know, the absence of a no isn't a yes. And thinking about how enthusiasm is really important when it comes to whether you're getting a hug or a high five or something a little bit more <laughs> razzle dazzle. <laughs> Not the razzle dazzle. <laughs> There's it 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 feels better when we hear a yes. Cause then we know, then we know for sure. And then if that yes is enthusiastic. Well, I mean, holy buckets. You can just you bust won. out the glitter. <laughs> I keep glitter in my pocket, just, just so y'all the know. Glitter? So I ask if I can give someone a hug, and they say yes. I just toss it in the air. Mm-hmm. Glitter gets stuck everywhere. 
Exactly. <laughs> Jess, I would sue you. I would sue you. <laughs> Glitter's never going now. <laughs> okay, when you're when you're thinking about your non-white versus white friends, what messages are being sent about consent that may differ that you think are important? All right, I just have to put this out there. To be honest, I want more white friends because, like, for some reason, they're, like, more adventurous. Like, if you see something, but then a black person's like, nah, I can't do that. I'm not trying to die. But then they... The yeah. white people do it anyway. Like I need that type of fun in my life. Like I need my white friends. Like they lit for real. Yeah, I just gotta put that out there. I'm dying. I, I was mean, like I don't know. That doesn't sound like bad from my point of view because like that's what I like to do too. But I think like with the few white friends I've had over the years, I just see like. Like you said, like they're not cautious. Like the one, the, the white people that I've been friends with aren't as cautious as I am, and maybe that's because of the environment I grew up with. Maybe that's because of like the conversations I've had with my mom about being black, especially going to like a predominantly white town. Um, but I just feel like the things that I'm worried about are the things that I'm just like, no, this is really important for me to know. This is really important for me to stay away from those friends are like, no, it's fine. We're not going to get in that big, that much trouble. It's it's cool. And it's just like, mm, you and I don't live this same reality. And I feel like they forget that sometimes, or maybe they're not exposed to enough people of color to understand that like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Concerns are different and like fears are different, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I feel like with my friends that who of our color, I know like for the boys especially, consent is very important because of what could happen if something isn't consensual or the idea of something isn't consensual, if that makes sense. Like if they're in a situation and, you know, they did what they did, you know, two people as they do, and an adult who might not be as respectful as we would like adults to be, especially to people of color, if I come into the situation and be like, hey, that wasn't consensual and put an idea in someone's head or like misinterpret the situation for something that it's not. And people of color might get a little, like not a little, get more, get into more trouble than- Yeah, that makes sense. I understand. Someone who isn't of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that making sense? Okay, it's so like that's kind of how I feel about consent, but not just consent, it's like anything when it comes to like friends of different ethnicities and different races mm-hmm. and different backgrounds. So like sometimes like one one person's like core values or just like boundaries are completely different. I think it's in an hour already when it comes to things like that. Facts. Period. Okay. Well, with mm-hmm. all this great conversation that has happened today, I would like to give a special thank you to all of the Start Strong staff and the Start Strong peer leaders for today's uh, season finale episode of Real Love, Real Talk podcast. Until next season, guys. This is we fun. Are logging out. <laughs> Check us out at thehogsauction.com. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Real Love, Real Talk presented by Start Strong. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like and share wherever you get your podcasts.